You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Welcome back to The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. I'm Lori Miller-Price, and I'm here today with Dr. Joe Howell. Good to see you, Joe. Good. Good to be back. Missed you. Joe's the director of the Institute for Conscious Being, the ICB. And Joe and I are joined today by one of the students in the ICB, the Institute, Rod Jones. Ron's been through the spirituality of the Enneagram program with the ICB, and we are really excited to have you here today, Rod. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Lori and Dr. Joe. I really appreciate being invited. Rod, we'd love to have you um, tell just a little bit about yourself and, and, and maybe a little bit about, you know, why were you even interested in the spirituality of the Enneagram in the first place, and, and how you ended up studying with the ICB. I learned about ICB through the Episcopal Church I belong to. Actually, two members of your staff, Barbara Sloan and Roger Conville, attend with me, and they've given a little talk or about how they do these things on weekends to give us a little glimpse of the Enneagram. And my friend Ferguson and I decided to sign up for it, and so that's how I came to be introduced with it. That's great. And as far as myself, um, I got to that point, and we can talk more about this later if you want, but I got to that point that Dr. Joe refers to in his book as the, uh, I can't remember the word he uses exactly, but basically the breaking point <laughs> of your life, the critical mass of suffering. That's it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I got to the critical mass of suffering through, in my case, it was 9-11 in New York. I was, I've seen counselors, and I've, I'd been to all kinds of group therapy and it just wasn't, you know, it, it helped, but it, it, I didn't find anything resolving through those endeavors. And the Enneagram has really helped to put me at peace. Wow, that's, I mean, that's really, that's really big. Were you, um, were you living in New York? I was flying from Atlanta to uh, New York every week. And I had a corporate apartment in New York, and I worked on Wall Street. The only reason I'm probably still alive today is because, if you'll remember, 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. And, um, and so I was flying up on Tuesday because I had a dental appointment on Monday. So I had stayed in Atlanta over the weekend for my dentist appointment. It was a beautiful morning Tuesday. The weather was great all up and down the East Coast. So we were thinking, wow, we're going to get to New York in time. Flights are on time. It's great. But then, you know, the worst thing happened, and staff that I had hand-chosen, hand-picked for projects in the towers, a lot of them are no longer with us. So I had a lot of survivor's guilt going on, as well as my own personal uh, feeling of loss from those friendships and the friendships of all the different clients that I had in New York that I had worked with over many years that also didn't make it. So, um, yeah, so just a lot of heartache and survivor's guilt, and it took me a long time to cope with it and the Enneagram was kind of like the last thing that brought me to that that piece I mean I want to say you know the, the worship of the divine also helps me and it does but the Enneagram helped me make sense of how I related to the divine okay maybe would you say that it gave you a different path to the divine than you had experienced before Exactly. And it helped to explain myself and how my ego type three had developed and why it developed and how that was a protection I put on because of some wounding that I hadn't even been conscious of in my childhood. I mean, we all have that wounding and we all take on 
our coat of armor that we build for ourselves to survive and navigate this brutal world around us. And we lose our soul child. And once you understand that and understand how important it is to, to realize your soul child and, and to come back to it, I mean, it's just freeing. It is absolutely a freeing experience. And it's not just it's not just finding your soul child. The great thing about the Enneagram is that you learn through your wings, like I'm a three, and there are nine positions on the Enneagram. So my wings are, as a three, are my two and my four. So I can navigate through the rest of the Enneagram by using my wings. And then you also learn about other types of Enneagrams, not just the Enneagram of identity, but the, the Hornavian groups, the harmonic groups, the harmony groups. Uh, we just discussed that on our awakenings call today. And then you start to see how all these little intricacies fit together. And it's reassuring. And you understand why you thought the way you did in your ego days. And without that critical mass of suffering, which was so painful for me, that I really wouldn't have gotten here. Maybe. Maybe I would have had another critical mass of suffering. I don't know. But I think mine was so big that it really forced me to look at who I was, what I was doing, and it just knocked me in a different direction. You know, like yeah. instead of working on Wall Street, once I started recovery, I started working for nonprofits because I felt like that was a beginning point of somebody I wanted to be, not someone who was just working for greed, you know? Uh, and, and the Enneagram just helps me reevaluate, you, you know, go back and look at those choices and go, wow, you were really trying to heal. You just hadn't quite gotten there yet, you know? Thank you so much for being willing to talk about this with Joe and me and with our listeners, because this is, this is like, this is such a big concrete way. It's, it's not just, you know, oh, with, with what happens with the Enneagram, a lot of times just learning about our personalities, which can be fun, but this, this is, you know, an amazing way that helped you through a really hard time in your life. And that's really great that you shared that with us. Well, it was it was fascinating to go through the two years as a scholar, and now I'm in master's, and I will not stop studying the Enneagram probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm an ICD'er now. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. Um, yep, but, we're in here for the long haul, right? <laughs> so. Because there's always something new to learn, and there's always something new that you can, some little, you know, glimpse of information, something that you glean from a conversation from someone else in their experience or that's been shared. And, you know, we're a very safe community. We, we keep each other's secrets. We're, it's a very safe space. Uh, so it's like a counseling group to me in, in a lot of regards because I feel like I can share anything with my ICB brothers and sisters and it not be taken, you know, away from my, you know, as a three, I worry about my image and credibility and all that kind of stuff. Well, nobody gives a crap. (laughs) So I don't have to be those things. I don't have to be the things that I set myself up to be in my ego. You know, it's just, I get to really be who I am at my soul child and just share what I'm feeling. Um, And I love that about our, our special group. I wanted to go back to the beginning and just say that weekend when my friend Fergus and I attended that first meeting about meeting your soul child, Fergus and I looked up after Dr. Powell took us through that regression on the last day when we had the photo in front of ourselves, and, and we just both looked up, and we were both crying our eyes out, and we started laughing at each other because we both had such a, a crazy experience being reintroduced to our soul child for the first time, 
I mean, it, it was just absolutely miraculous. And I would encourage anyone, if you don't even want to study the Enneagram, to at least get introduced to your soul child through a weekend of um, just opening up to the Enneagram. It, it, is, it is a wonderful experience. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, do you have a question that maybe re- relates further to what you've already experienced or something brand new that, you know, you have Dr. Hal all, all to yourself here to to ask him something that you've been wondering? Um, it, it, it might be connected to what you've been talking about, but maybe, it, maybe it's something different. Well, it is kind of connected, and I'm, I've often wondered this, and I've just never asked it because I didn't want to put anybody on the spot in our safe space. And I'm, I know I could talk about it, but I just, you know, I would feel better asking this directly of Dr. Hal than the group. Does it necessarily require a critical mass of suffering in order to get in touch with learning the Enneagram and being reintroduced to your soul child? Does that critical mass of suffering need to take place for everyone? Mm. Or can some people get to this, this special knowledge, this Gnostic, you know, realization without having to go through that really hard look at themselves, which I know, you know, we call middle age or, you know, we're going through the change of life or whatever, you know, and that usually seems to be about the time it happens when we reevaluate everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, does it, does it necessarily have to be a hard punch like I got or can someone get there just, just by being conscious on some other level? Yeah. That's a great question. I love that question, Rod. And it comes from somebody who's really spent a lot of time studying this wisdom. And I appreciate the depth of where you're coming from and the, per- the authentic experience that you've already spoken about today of your own personal journey. In essence, your question is, does one have to reach a critical mass of suffering in order to get to the point where they are willing to rediscover their their soul, their beginnings. Is that your question? Yes, that is absolutely my question. And the okay. reason I ask it is because there are so many people I would like to share my knowledge with or extend them an invitation to ICD, but I don't know if it's if it's worth asking them to just make that initial meeting like Fergus and I did, unless they've been through that. And, you know, I may not even know if they've been through that, but (laughs) I want to, I I just wanted to know, you know, I I just wanted to know if it's worth, you know, if it's worth inviting someone to our table, if, if they really are still living just out of ego and not really connecting with themselves at their soul level. Right. Well, you know, Anybody who's a searcher would be interested in this work because if they are searching, they have some questions. And if they have some questions, they have some discomfort and want to have the answers as to why they're uncomfortable and what could make them feel better. So I think our answer is. Is the person a person who is a searcher, a spiritual searcher? And if they are, I believe that they would very much like to have a weekend introduction to the Enneagram like 
we provide at ICB that people can find on our website. The beauty of asking somebody whether we know they are a searcher or not is that if they aren't a searcher, what have we lost in asking them to study with us for a weekend? And if they are a searcher, this may be the key that they've been looking for for a long, long time. So my answer is, ask anybody you wish, because we don't know who's a searcher and who's not a searcher, but we know everybody deserves the opportunity to search and to find the answers they want and need. And Joe, don't, don't you also think, too, that even though when we hear the word critical mass of suffering, it does sound like a big event, but wouldn't, wouldn't you say that everyone, if they could get in touch with it, does have suffering? Yes, it may. through some grief or yeah, because the ego structure really cannot handle all of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ego structure, for example, does not know how to process grief and death, loss, tragedy, because the ego has a script that doesn't include those inconveniences happening. And, uh, and the ego has false ways to cope with those things, such as denial or addiction or like in the, the, the ego threes case, to accomplish and accomplish and accomplish to uh, muffle out the, the pain of grief. But that isn't really a solution to the problems of life. The ego has band-aids. The ego has ways for us to feel good about our problems, but it doesn't ever last. Okay? So in, in the absence of the ego's ability to get this done, they're gonna, we're going to break down. And uh, that, that, that is different for everybody. For somebody that's like falling through the bottom, other people, it's the dark night of the soul. Still for others, the, uh, the impasse of a midlife crisis. And it's going to happen. If the ego breaks down, that is actually a favor to us. Because that is the crack that lets the light in. I completely agree with you, Dr. Joe. I know it, it was for me. And I, I know not everyone may have gone through such an event like I did, but it was the crack that I needed to get off the roller coaster. Um, you know, all I was concerned about was image and I was working on wall street with the best minds from the Ivy league schools. And, you know, and here I am just this little guy from Alabama, you know, (laughs) and uh, it was really fulfilling for a while. Um, and I earned the respect of everyone with whom I worked and that was really fulfilling. Yeah. Um, and, and, but you know, I'm so thankful now when I look back, even though I went through a lot of suffering and I self-medicated, I, I did everything the typical person does in grief at, you know, 
Yeah. That's of my age group, uh, you know, and I, and I didn't hit rock bottom. Thank God for the love of really good family and friends that I was still connected to both in Atlanta and right back here in Birmingham, my hometown. And they wouldn't give up on me. And I just started thinking, you know, people that do uh, self-medicate, not everybody gets that. And that's probably the only advantage I had to come to this realization and gain this knowledge that we're talking about today. And I just pray that everybody has someone that loves them that much that will, you know, bring them to the next step. Because it is a process. It is yes, a process yeah. to go from that grief and to, and to bridge it all together. And the Enneagram was like just the perfect piece of my understanding what had happened, why I reacted the way I did, why, where I really need to go, where my soul child came into being and why it needs to go back there. Instead of trying to get love from people from being successful, I really want to get love from people from being in a community, you know, and, 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 um, yeah. and participating, not necessarily feeling like I have to lead it, you know, like a, a three always does. So yeah. I agree with everything you said. Well, I love the way that you've been uh, bringing up recovery and addiction, Rod, uh, and it brings to mind a recent conversation I've had with one of your fellow master students, uh, Art Wimberly. And Art is a very significant in the recovery uh, and addiction process in the Birmingham, Alabama area and in Byron's. Uh, he has his own podcast. And Art is joining forces with uh, ICB teachers, and in March, on March 10th and 11th, ICB is doing an Enneagram and Recovery Conference at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, that is on our website also. So we have oh come my to gosh, understand. Put me down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have come to understand that. The uh, recovery world has been telling others for, for decades now that the trouble with addiction is the ego and getting locked into what we call the egocentricity and stinking thinking that it gives people who are addicted the idea that they are above being hurt by their addiction and that it's everybody else's problem who has a problem with their behavior and with their lifestyle. So what are yeah, that's really unfortunate. Is, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's been a road, my road to recovery times multiples, you know, compared to everything else of my, I've experienced in recovery. Um, right. So I, I, I think this is a great idea. I hadn't heard about this relationship with art, but, I can't wait to attend the conference. That sounds awesome. I'm yes. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dr. No, Joe. No, no, that's terrific. But um, you would probably uh, have something to contribute to that conference uh, as well, Rod, being a, a trained person in the Enneagram. Because, see, what is happening is we understand how each of the ego types has its own pathway to addiction and its own pathway to recovery. Yes. Amen, brother. <laughs> uh, 
I don't mean to laugh at that. I'm just laughing because it resonates so strongly with me. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that's um, a wonderful thing. I have a question for you, uh, Rod. What, how did you experience your training in the uh, introductory program in ICB, the, the three intensives per year for two years? How did you experience that? Well, it's interesting. My road was not the road of most people because I came into the Enneagram, like I said, with my friend Fergus, and then the pandemic hit. So we had our first weekend meeting at St. Stephen's in Homewood, Alabama. Uh, that was a great weekend. And then the pandemic hit shortly thereafter. So when I signed up for Scholars, we started Zooming instead of, I think you guys used to meet every Sunday for Awakenings at, at St. Stephen's. Uh, and that started going on Zoom on Sundays at three o'clock. And then the Scholars program started meeting by Zoom, I think as well. But just, you know, it took a while to get used to everyone in, in the Zoom call, and I had never really Zoomed that much before, uh, but I became very comfortable once I learned everyone's names and their stories and felt like I could, you know, you know bring my own um, thoughts and revelations to, to, to the other groups, to the other people in the group. But, you know, over the, over the Internet is not as great as being in person. So we... We just over the past two times that I've been in person with you guys at the the intensives up at Camp McDowell has been wonderful, and that was because the the um, the pandemic lifted and we were able to be with each other in person rather than over Zoom, and that has meant so much more to me because you can hug people, you can you know you can you know put your arm around someone if they've shed a tear, you can you know. And these are people that I already know, but I really got to know them in person. So, but it meant the world to me during the pandemic to have this group to be able to be accountable to and to learn from. I mean, because we couldn't go anywhere. I mean, all our hair got long because we couldn't even go get a haircut. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, it was wonderful to see. It was wonderful to see everyone. I, I just, I, I will never, I can't express how thankful I was. It was a lifeline during the pandemic. But uh, from what I've learned and what the outcome has been, which is to keep learning, I am in such a different place in my life through, through this training and this knowledge. Moving from ego to soul is work. You really have to be honest with yourself. And for a three, I don't think that's always easy. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken any other route if I knew this would be before me because it's really brought me into a comfort of my own skin, my own soul, you know, not being reactionary. Like before, I used to have to feel if somebody said something, I had to have a retort right away. And now I just feel like, you know, response and stimulus don't necessarily have to follow immediately, you know, one in front of the other or one behind the other. You know, it can just be, you can have a pause. You can think about things. You can really analyze things. And that has given me a great window to amalgamate towards my, my soul child. Wow. That's great. I'm I'm so glad that you that you found the ICB. I'm also glad that you know, I think a lot of people had that experience that it was this wonderful lifeline during the COVID shutdown. And then and so that was an amazing way to be together on Zoom, but then to also have the experience of coming together and remembering, yes. 
being in one another's presence physically does make a difference too. And, and so I, I think that, I think in a lot of ways, it sounds like that really made your experience richer that you had both of those experiences and can see it. Um, we are so glad to have oh. you on the show today, Rod. And um, really, I know that our listeners are going to really gain a lot from what, from what you shared with us. So I really appreciate your being here. It's been good to be with you. Um, good to, it was good to be with you in person. And it's good to be with you this way as well. And always great to be with you, Joe, of course. To our listeners, I want to thank you all for listening today. We hope that you're interested in learning more. You can learn more about us at theicb.org, T-H-E-I-C-B.org, and uh, find us on Facebook, and keep listening to our podcast, The Real Enneagram, each week. We hope that you heard something today that sinks just a little deeper into your heart and mind and soul, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Take care. Good to be with both of you, Joe and Rod. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank Um, you, Rod. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at The Real Enneagram. Or, if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.